0: Hey, y'all, we want to take a second here to go ahead and give a shout out to our favorite mortgage lender and the official lender of the Lifty podcast. That's Casey Burns. He's a mortgage broker with Prime Lending. I bought my house here in Colorado with Casey, and I refinanced the property in Tennessee. And I was going to use Casey for that because I had such a great experience. And Casey told me, hey, man, like I'll be straight up with you. I can't, I can't match this other offer, so go with these other guys. Well, I went with those other guys, and I regretted it. It was like a three-month process for the refi. When I, when I bought my house here in Colorado, it was the easiest transaction for real estate I've ever had in my life. He handles everything. Like He has the heart of an educator, the heart of a teacher, and that's why we recommend him. I've known him for 10 years. I was best friends with his brother in college. I'm still good friends with Casey to this day, and we, we recommend him because of how good he is. So if you want to utilize Casey, give him a call, find out any information, give him a shout at 919-710-1864. Or you can also reach him at email at casey.burns at primelending.com. And also go check out his website, get all of his reviews at www.clotheswithkc.com. Thanks, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt with Tee Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke, sitting here with my co-host, Cousin Perry. And we've got a special guest this week back on the podcast, Carter McKenzie. What's going on, Carter? How you doing, man?
1: What's up, guys? Thanks for having me back on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Glad to have you, man. I'm looking forward
2: to this this discussion tonight, we're going to get into uh, some of the plans that we've alluded to in some earlier episodes. So it's going to be exciting.
1: Yeah, I feel like all of a sudden summer's over and fall's pretty much here, and things are moving, things are happening.
2: Yeah, it's happening fast, dude. Luke and I were talking about it uh, last night, just going through the plans for all the different things we have lined up, and it's right around the corner. And there's still still a lot of prep work to do. Still got to check some things off the list before hunting season gets here, so but I'm excited. It's it's a it's always a fun
0: time of year. Yeah, it's come up real quick, especially with me having the baby. Well, when this airs I'll have already had the baby. I'll be a dad for two weeks or so by the time this one airs, but uh yeah, it's 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 a lot. It's come up quick. Time flies. Hey you'll have it all figured out in two weeks, man. Too easy. It's too easy. That's perfect. I uh he gets here and like four days later I'm gonna head to the field for three weeks, so Carolina will have it all figured out. <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> wow, man, he'll, you gotta be gotta up. The, he'll be walking by the time I get back. Yeah, gotta love that army life, man. he to be driving his first car already. I was, we were going to the liquor store the other day. And I was getting some some libations, and I was like, maybe I'll grab two bottles of whiskey, like one from like a nice bottle now to have when he comes, and then a bottle to have have with him whenever he you know comes of age. And she was like you're really going to hold on to a bottle of whiskey for that long? I was like, yeah, 14 years. <laughs> not that bad. Is that a yeah,
1: six-generation six mountain rule right there? 14 <laughs> <Yeah>. years?
0: 14, <laughs> man. Start getting hair. You get a little hair on your peach, you can have some whiskey, you know?
1: No rules at the farm.
0: <laughs> what happens at Peach Bottom stays at Peach Bottom. That's how it goes. There's definitely rules, but that ain't one of them. So. <laughs> Let's go ahead and... Uh, Roll in, Carter. Give us a rundown uh, of what you've got planned for the uh, the fall. What, what what are your hunts and tags look like? What what are you getting into?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, this this fall is really coming up quick and really filled in fast. Um, wife and I are both teachers, and we just spent a month up in Canada at her family's place. Um, it's kind of two hours north of Toronto, in the middle of nowhere. Pretty awesome place. Doing a lot of fishing kind of off the grid good way to unplug for a month and then as soon as we got back to the farm here i feel like everything's 100 miles an hour getting ready for hunting season around here um but i guess the big trip this fall is uh surprisingly myself some buddies and luke you're you're going out there too drew uh drew some tags for wyoming and we were real fortunate uh to draw uh mule deer buck tags for wyoming um out in region wise, so we'll be heading out to the Bighorn Mountains again. Um, we decided to apply, and all ended up drawing, um, so we're going out there, uh, which I'm I'm really excited about. This will be my third trip out there, and uh, going out with some buddies who this will be their their first Western hunting trip ever. Um, and buddy from buddy from Canada who's coming down, who's never never killed a deer before, um, just got into hunting this spring. Um, and my other buddy Cole, who's you know, two seasons into deer hunting, um, and just really taken with it. So, um, really kind of a, a mentor trip. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of take on that mantle and, and, and pass that along as, as Western hunting was introduced to me. So, um, really excited about that Wyoming trip and Luke, you'll be out there joining us.
0: Yeah, yeah, I absolutely will. Um, Anthony's coming and then one of my buddies, Colin is coming as well. But, no, it's, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm really excited. I had a blast last year. I went back up twice, um, and I'm, I'm planning on going up for a hot minute this year. I'm going to have a little bit of time on my hands. So, I'm excited. It's going to be a good trip.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to do – we're tweaking a little – a few things this year that Luke and I learned um, last year. And that, that first one is more time. I mean, you just need more time out there. Um, it's really nice that you can run up and hunt weekends up there, Luke. um that's that's fantastic you can really embrace that full season um but we're gonna get five full days of hunting in this time which i think is really gonna make a difference um because that unit is just massive and anybody who's not familiar with western hunting it's just like a difference (laughs) it's hard to wrap your head around how much land you can actually cover from public access point of view. So um, there's a ton of different places I've been marking on Onyx that I really want to stick my nose in and and walk around and explore.
0: Yeah, I don't know uh, kind of what y'all's plan is. We haven't really had a chance to talk about it, but I um, it's going to be a little bit complicated because we've all kind of got tags and like our mule deer tag are like us, but the mule deer tags are good all the same. But then I have a Antelope tags that is in a different unit than my two buddies have antelope tags. They've got doe tags. I've got a buck tag. So it's going to be kind of a, everybody's going to be doing their own thing. But I think for the mule deer, I'm at least I've been considering doing one. I'm going to bring all my gear to do a spike camp and I might head up and try to, uh, get a little bit higher up in elevation, uh, up in the mountains and, and head up for at least a day, day and well, a day, night and a day. So two days and, and see how that goes, but. It should be a good trip, man. I'm, I'm definitely going. I think I'm going to be up there for about seven days total is what it's looking like. So more time, more time for sure.
1: Yeah, I love that. And getting up in those mountains, I think, is going to be a really good answer. It's just when you're traveling non-resident and you're flying in and you got rental cars and, you you know, the weather's unpredictable out there. And that ground can turn into gumbo and really ruin a, <laughs> a four- or five-day trip, you know?
0: Yeah, the weather is super variable. We had... 75 80 degree weather one day and then we had a whiteout blizzard the next and everything in between we had some rain the winds were insane Uh, Wyoming's got some very interesting weather for sure yeah that place is harsh
2: it's cool though that you're going to be in kind of a different position this year you said this is your what your third year so hell I mean you've got a little bit of experience and then to be taking some guys that this will be their first time not only hunting necessarily but or not just western hunting but you know hunting Period. That's going to be a, that'll be, a, that'll make it a different experience for you for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We got a, it's a large, <laughs> a variety, um, <laughs> uh, skill wise, which is, I think it's going to make it a blast. Um, and then you throw in the, the type of camping that we're going to be doing and the, the, the terrain we're going to be in with the wind. So should be a hell of a time. It's going to be an adventure regardless. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of take on that, that role that, I was fortunate enough to have a mentor several times throughout my hunting career. So I'm really looking forward to that. And it's less so this, this time, you know, I've, I got my mule deer last time, so it's not, the the pressure's kind of off for me. I know it's more personal for Luke this time. Um, he's itching to pull that trigger, I think. Um, but I'll be more, I'll be more excited to, uh, you know, if we can get one of them, a couple of them, uh, some deer, that would be, that'd make me happy i'd find that fulfilling
0: oh yeah yeah i'm really hoping to get up there at least a weekend prior or even if since i'm getting there a few days early as well if i can punch both tags and then or like beforehand then i can just focus on trying to help everybody else which would be real nice but no i definitely definitely uh want to punch one i'm uh I'm not the most selfless hunter when I have a tag in my pocket. If I'm going to go be a mentor, then I need to make sure I'm not don't have a tag in my pocket and I'm focused on that person. When I when I've got a tag, like I, I want to hunt, uh, and it's it's so hard to get tags and they're also not cheap. It's kind of it's like I, I it's it's kind of an obsession. Like I, I'm very singularly focused when we're out there. Like I'll just I'll fucking leave your ass. I'll go hunt and then I'll come back. <laughs> I mean, Carter, that's Carter that's the objective, kind of right? Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. Um, that's why I've realized that, that about myself, and it's one of the reasons why I, I do try to be up front. I've, I've realized that like I don't need a mentor hunt when I'm hunting actively. And I told people that wanted to go out and stuff. It's like, look, if this is your first trip, holler at me when I don't have a tag, and I'll go with you if you have a tag. But I'm not going to bring you on one of my hunts when I'm trying to actively hunt and then deal with you stomping through the woods breaking brush and making all sorts of racket and (laughs) you know getting winded trying to go up the mountain and everything else like i'm fat enough i don't need some extra fat slowing me down (laughs) you selfless selfish prick you know maybe one day unicef will get in the hunting business but until then (laughs) no i hear you that's fine i mean that's a joe dirt quote for those that didn't get it well
2: the reality is i mean hell both of you guys are still it's not like y'all been hunting out west for decades at this point so I mean there's there's as I'm hopefully gonna find out myself this year there's a ton to learn so I get that mentality for sure
1: yeah absolutely and it's not like I know what I'm doing like I'm not an expert at all man I got lucky like I was sitting on the correct side of the hill with my binos up and I saw the buck Luke just happened to be 20 yards to my left staring at nothing. Right. I just got lucky that I was in that, I was in the hot seat that day, you know,
0: I'm just glad. I mean, I, I really am glad that you killed that thing, man. Cause, uh, I do have a lot more opportunity. Like I had another tag in Colorado, granted my dumbass flipped my truck and didn't make it, but like, it's a lot more of a muscle movement for you to get out there than it is. You know, I drove six hours North on literally the straightest road on the planet, like from my house, it is just straight north. <laughs> no deviation for six hours. <laughs> is that
1: the highway we're going to be on? If We're flying into Denver. Southwest yeah. was running some insane 50% off sale. So we decided to fly into Denver and drive up.
0: Yeah, it's also going to save you guys a day of hunting with the direct flight. You want to have a layover in Salt Lake City. Um, I know we had talked about that. So that, that's definitely the play. You guys will have about a four-hour drive. Yeah, but you, mean, I, you actually straight. convinced me to do that. That was brilliant. That was a good call. Well, in the, the speed limit in Wyoming is 80 miles an hour. So, like, <laughs> well,
1: there's nothing to hit out there. You no, might as well right,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> set it on cruise and roll.
0: Yeah, exactly. If you had one of those Tesla smart trucks, you could just fucking go, sleep, everything.
1: <laughs> Perry, it's so, you feel so like uncomfortable going that fast out there that like people are blowing past you. You're like, are you sure like this is allowed? <laughs> like, am
0: I, am I allowed to do this? Well, yep. in that old Tacoma, man, the thing doesn't handle that great at 80 miles an hour. Like, the things shaking a little bit in the winds. The crosswind, so the wind cuts across the highway the whole way, and so like that Tacoma, I'd be like, like all over the road. Like <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't weigh much, and the weight it does have is top heavy. So, dude, that <laughs>
2: yeah. the wind will blow you all over the place on that thing. I remember. Yeah, you know, it's man. all over the place. So. <laughs> and on the
1: on the way out of the last trip, Luke, we had we had to pack up and break down camp in the middle of a freaking blizzard, and we just shoved everything in the back of Luke's truck, just like shoved it into the camper top. <clears throat> and if you would have looked carefully. Yeah, part of the canvas was of the tent was flapping out the back of the back of the truck when he was taken off there. And, you know, with those winds out there, he could have taken off like a sail.
0: Just like a kite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there
2: goes the, there goes the taco.
0: Oh well, man, yep. Yeah. Hopefully the, the new Sierra is going to handle a little better. Give me a little more room. Yeah. You also, you know, you pro tip here. Uh, you also
1: convinced me to get a, get a four by four instead of the uh, cheap in it on the, the old Kia Sorrento periwinkle color. So, we got a real truck this time. Oh, thank God. Carter,
0: He, he he's frugal, and so uh, he, he always likes to save a buck. And I was like, just spend the extra 100 bucks and get the fucking four-wheel drive truck, dude.
1: <laughs> well, the problem with, I guess, with COVID and, and, and rental cars right now is the market is just so insane for anything four-by-four um, rental-wise. So, you know, Kia, you should sponsor me. Kia Sorento, I'll be, I'll be your biggest spokesperson whipping the kia but no this time we got a truck thank god hey you gotta Carter stick to was, the budget
0: you were super paranoid about getting that thing stuck when it started snowing and there's a little bit of mud and so we would just have to stick when one, one guy would ride in the bed of the truck with the camper top but it's so dusty like you would climb out of there looking like you had powdered sugar all over your face
1: like you'd been in the mines for the last 40 years <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just getting bounced around on those old gravel roads. And freezing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was brutal. Oh, well, that's how we learn, right? We learn and add something each trip.
0: So, yeah. I learned uh, a canopy is not a good choice. Yeah. Did not last through the winds. <laughs> it would have been really nice, though. But live and learn. We yeah. do have to figure out what we're going to do for housing. If we're going to just tent or if we're going to try to get a camper – or I think we've, cabins. we've
1: decided to tent, even though there's better options. Um, camper in a U-Haul would be a better option. Um, I don't know. Have we t- talked about this that, that on this before? Those guys who rented a U-Haul and slept in that, I don't think so. That that was brilliant. That was like one of the smartest things I've ever seen. These guys from Ohio who came out every year, who we ended up camping with them, they just rented a U-Haul out of the local, uh, the the closest town, and slept in the box of the truck, um, which is a brilliant way to cut the wind out there. I mean, cause it gets in everything, no matter how great your tent is. Um, they just set up their cots and had a generator and a little heater and cracked it barely at the bottom to get some air in there. And they were warm and dry and out of the wind. And uh, our, our tent was whistling.
0: Our tent was whistling. We could just get like, 26 foot box truck and then stack everybody in there in cots yeah it might be worth calling i'll call and and check on the pricing and then we'll just have everybody lined up We'll cots or ground whatever if you guys aren't flying with cots if i can score some extra cots i'll bring them up but we could do that and then we could do you could also run hammocks on the inside of the u-hauls because they have those uh those boards for the tie downs for the ratchet straps that's a really good idea i
1: I like that way better than sleeping on the ground because and then
0: i've got I bought a Mr. Buddy propane heater now, so we don't have to run it off the generator. And Spencer's not allowed near my generator. Is Spencer coming? Spencer's not coming this time. Good. Fuck you, Spencer. (laughs) I haven't. uh,
1: (laughs) I'll let you explain what happened to him. I haven't had, uh, had the heart to tell him. I gotta uh, say,
2: I don't. I've never met Spencer. Couldn't pick him out of a police lineup. But I've heard more about him from this freaking generator story. Luke bitching about all the shit he had to do this generator, how man. long it took to get it fixed, to get it repaired, and get it back.
0: <laughs> He's just trying to be a nice guy and fill it up for him. Oh man, it's it, it's why I've never said anything to him about it. I, it honestly, it didn't cost me a dime because the uh, so Spencer went and got up to piss. And we were running uh, lights and and the heater off the generator. I've got one of those uh, Honda Whisper Quiet 2200s. And so he just was topping off the gas and just, it was cold, it was wet, you know, whatever. Like, he just wasn't really paying attention. And he set the gas tank down. I kind of had it, like, a little bit under my truck. And he set the gas tank down jutted up against the exhaust. And so... It melted the gas tank. Luckily, it didn't catch my truck on fire. That I was going to say, that really, could have been a little more dangerous. Yeah. It could have been way worse. Like, it, it, it honestly was okay. And, like, very gracious, he went and bought a new gas tank, filled it up. Um, so, I thought that something happened with basically the pressure built up with the exhaust being backed up. And then it it, it fucked up the uh, uh, just fucked up the engine because I couldn't get it to start. It, just, it never started again. I ended up taking it to a small engine mechanic. And he drained all the gas and there was a shitload of water in the tank. And I don't exactly know. He said that putting E85 could do that. So I don't know. I wouldn't think Spencer put E85 in the gas tank when he, gas can when he filled it up or if it just got water in it from the snow or rain. I I don't know. But yeah, so that, that was the problem there. But luckily the dude took a month to work on it and he didn't charge me a dime. So it all worked out in the end, but it was definitely a process and a lot of, Heartache and consternation to get that fucking generator running again. Yeah,
1: all things considered, at least you got a working generator back. That thing's clutch out there.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be nice. Just just for having fucking lights. It, it, yeah. I bought I've upgraded the light game as well, so we're gonna have some more lights. Yeah. And then uh just from a morale point of view, it's it's massive. Yeah. So we'll we'll have it rigged up pretty well. I'm gonna bring bring some more shit and then uh We'll figure out if we're going to do the. I think the box the box truck might be the the play. We run some lights, run the generator, have the Mister Buddy heater. We can. i bring your table. We can play cards. The more I think about it, we split that five ways. It's not going to be that expensive.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really great idea. Actually, I love that.
0: So, what else is on the on the docket for
2: this year, man?
1: Well, I uh, I picked up a leftover antelope dough tag as well out there in the in the leftover draw in Wyoming. So. Um, if you're not familiar, Wyoming has a leftover draw for any tags that aren't picked up, aren't allocated for, um, after the initial draw and application, um, season, usually about a week after, um, it was really slim pickings this year. Usually you can pick up, you know, usually you can pick up some antelope buck tags. Um, pretty easy. Um, definitely doe tags, you know, each hunter can get up to four doe fawn tags, which is wild. And they're really, really cheap. They're like thirty-four bucks, something like that. So, if your goal is to fill the freezer, it's a really good way to do that out there, especially with does and you're not being picky, you know, size-wise with headgear. So, um, anyways, I got lucky enough to pick up one doe tag in the unit just south of where we're going to be staying. Um, so that's a new unit for me. I haven't hunted, uh, haven't hunted antelope in that unit, so I'm kind of excited to see uh, a little bit of new country. Um, but it does overlap with my deer tag, um, which was part of the application strategy there. So, um, ideally you can hunt both at the same time after my first trip out there and seeing really, really nice mule deer with a rifle in my hand without a mule deer tag in my pocket while I was hunting antelope. I said, I'm never coming back here without an antelope and a, and a deer tag in my pocket. It just, cause you can come across both, stumble across both really easily. So hopefully we're going to double up on that. And I think Anthony has the same, uh, doe tag as I do. Did you pick up a dough tag as well, Luke?
0: No, somehow I didn't. i tried to get the, the, what was it? The extra two tags for doe. You just added it to it. And, uh, I, I didn't get it. So, um, I've got a buck and a antelope buck and then a, uh, mealy buck. I should have looked. I didn't even look for an antelope doe tag. I should have, though. Those are pretty much a slam dunk out there.
1: Um, so if, if deer hunting is real slow, I can take an afternoon to run down there, and you can go find a antelope doe pretty easy, and we'll bring that back to camp.
2: That's, that's pretty awesome. Luke and I were actually just talking um, the previous episode that that makes all the sense in the world when those are kind of opportunities – Present themselves to go out with multiple tags. I mean, you're already investing in the trip. You're investing in the travel to get out there. You're investing in the time off work. Um, you've already got all that stuff scheduled, and if you can pick up another tag like that for hell, thirty four bucks, try to get on a an antelope doe. I mean, why not? That's awesome.
1: Yeah, hundred percent, man. And you know, at the end of the at the end of the day, it's all about the adventure. Or at least for me, it is. You know, just going out there and hanging out with everybody and walking around beautiful country and if you can you know you're i'm not gonna miss that extra money for the other tag you know what i mean tags aren't cheap but even if they're a couple hundred bucks you know it's it's minimal compared to what you get out of it right so like just go ahead and spend the extra money and get another tag if you can swing it um now that doesn't mean like overextend yourself right which is like (laughs) something a lot of guys i think do like oh i'm gonna get a you know bull elk tag and a and a you know a deer a buck deer tag and you know have expectations of tagging out on both um so you got to manage your expectations but why not man if they all live in the same especially if they're in the same habitat like in in wyoming
0: gotta go for it i'm gonna jump in here i just pulled up a quote for the uh u-haul truck guess how much it costs um i'm going to go
1: low because it's wyoming No, I'm gonna go high because they are uh, aggressive towards non-resident hunters. I'm gonna say it costs for how long? How many
0: days? I think I have it for six or seven days. Six or seven days. I'm gonna go five hundred bucks. Two hundred and four dollars, dude. This is a no-brainer. Whoa, unreal! Book it. We're doing that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Once I hammer out exactly how long, like what my schedule is gonna look like, I'm just gonna. I'll have it all set up when you guys show up.
1: Man, I love that.
0: (laughs) Book it book it Damn. come on yeah unreal I mean, dude 204 dollars, and we're gonna have a little mobile fucking cabin here
1: dude this is like a little mini tuesday tips right here this is a pro tip this
0: is this is good yeah we're gonna have to get some pictures of this we'll have it Love it all set up. And I just, it's got like the, the attic, right? So over top of the cab, that's a perfect little bed, bed spot for somebody. That's
1: where Anthony can sleep.
0: Yeah. And we, we'll board him up in there. Cause that fucker <laughs> snores like a son of a bitch.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Everybody's to I want to bring a pack of earplugs for everybody. <laughs> There's going to be some snoring going on in that damn truck. You
1: should make Anthony pay for him. Just be like, Hey, sorry.
0: <laughs> here's, here's your $10 bill for these fucking 40 packs of earplugs for everybody. That's awesome, man. I'm dude. I'm jealous that I'm
2: uh that I didn't freaking draw for this for this hunt. That's gonna be a blast. dude. Just
0: come come out for the trip. Come to camp.
2: Just come hang out. <laughs> dude, yeah.
0: come out. Come out and walk around, man. Dude, if, if you I, fly out, if you find a Denver from Charlotte, it's like you can get plane tickets for a like hundred bucks.
2: Yeah. If I uh, I mean, hell, we'll see. If I wasn't literally turning around and going back to Idaho those first two weeks in November, hopefully, I would strongly consider that. But I mean, shit, maybe we'll see.
1: I can always send you my flat info and you can hop
2: in the truck with us. Yeah, for sure. That'd be fun.
1: Yeah, so that'll be, uh, that's late October. Hopefully we'll see a little bit of rut action going a little bit later this time. We're a week later than Luke and I were last year, so hopefully the deer will be moving. If it gets real cold, hopefully those deer will come down out of the mountains, down to where we are.
0: Yeah, I saw uh, I saw a little bit last year when I went back. When I was about there at the same time we'll be on there this time, and there was some sparring. It was. They were still kind of bachelored up a little bit, though. They were all kind of together. Um, the satellite bucks, because that big boy I was watching, the satellite bucks were kind of above him, and they would kind of spar, and they would like kind of come down towards him, and he'd go up and kind of fight them off a little bit. But it wasn't. It wasn't heavy. It was all that real, you know, early, just kind of still goofing around. Yeah, half fighting type shit. Yeah,
1: I got you. Yeah, maybe we'll get lucky this year and see some early rut.
0: Yeah, I'm going up early to make sure I have a shot at that fucking deer if you made it before you get up there.
1: <laughs> There's a little selfish loop coming out. Not going to tell me where it is. That was exactly where you fucking shot yours. Was it? Mm-hmm. That's a good That's a good spot. That's a good spot. I like that yeah.
0: spot. I'm going to get up there way earlier in the morning and be like laying in the prune Looking at that exact bedding spot, rifle on the bipod, like set up, ready to go when that sun comes up.
1: Mm, Well, I'm going to sleep there, so.
0: (laughs) I'm getting up there four days before you, buddy. (laughs) I'll leave (laughs) it. It's a tough life. (laughs) Let me change my flight real quick. (laughs) No, I'm excited. That's going to be a hell of a hunt. What's your uh, your whitetail schedule look like? You just hunting North Georgia? Are you doing any traveling? Yeah,
1: whitetail, um, North Georgia. So I lost... Lost one farm, lost one permission this year. The guy sold it. Heartbreaking. Um, So I still got two permissions in Dahlonega. So we'll be chasing mountain deer still. um, As per usual, the old standbys. And then uh, here at the house, um, we got some plans to alter the, I guess the wildlife management plan here um, for the back 40 that we got at the house here. Um, And Perry's actually going to be coming down in, helping me out with it in september which i'm pretty excited about
2: yeah i am too man i'm really looking forward to that it's uh it's gonna be fun for me i'm obviously no expert but um dude i've i've always dreamed i mean like my my number one goal or at least one of my top goals is to get my own piece of land and not you know I we've been blessed to have the family farm that we have but like we don't have any control over it not really we you know we can do some things out there but that's that's the goal is to have your own piece of dirt that you can actually manage the way you want to um, try to incorporate all your own ideas and personalities you know into that property. So I'm excited to come see yours, see what you've done and then see what you have planned. Give us a little bit of a, a rundown of the property, just, you know, quick 30,000 foot elevation of what it looks like and then some of what your uh, your goals are for that weekend, because hell, it's only it's only a few weeks out now.
1: I know it's crazy it's uh, I was thinking about it today I was like man I gotta get back there and bush hog and start start thinking about this um so I think you know like you're saying that's the dream right and it's unbelievable to to have that but at the end of the day it's only <laughs> I only have six acres that I can hunt right um which is all things considered not a lot of land but um we're pretty fortunate with how many deer travel through our property especially with the pond in the back um we have uh, a really good water source for the area. Um, so we have a lot of deer. I got to pull cameras this weekend and we've got some very, very nice deer coming through right now in, in bachelor groups, which I'm really excited about. A couple 10 points and a bunch of eights and a really big six that I'm fired up about. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so I guess the game plan this year <clears throat> is, um, I think we're going to go give the, uh, give the old no-till poor man food plot. Um give it a go here. Um we're gonna try that aspect of of land management and food plotting. Um that's what I've been looking into. Um I, I, I guess I call it poor man because uh you know, equipment is expensive. Food plotting could get expensive. it's it's kinda like archery or anything you want. You can make it as expensive as you want. Um so I'm kinda limited with how much I want to invest as far as equipment goes for, for this property. Um, so I've got a tractor, I got a bush hog. Um, and I was reading a couple books this summer and got really intrigued about, you know, the science behind not, uh, discing and plowing, uh, land over and over and over. Um, and I kind of just want to try something new. That's what I did the last two years. Um, we dissed and plowed and had some great food plots, really, really good. Um, But I just want to try something new, especially if I'm going to be here for, you know, 20, 30 plus years. Why not? Why not give it a try and see what happens. Right. It's all a big experiment.
2: Yeah, it is. And it's it's one of those things that's built a lot of momentum, not only in the in the hunting and food plot world, but also in the uh, agricultural world. We've realized that, man, soil health is actually something that we're we're doing a lot of damage to with this repetitive, you know, annual tillage. Um, not to say that, you know, you can't do it that way. And there's, there's plenty of successful farmers and, and hunters that have been using those techniques for a long time, but um, there are other methods out there as well. So how, how much do you have in food plot now or have you had the past couple of years are or are we expanding or is it just the same area? And then how much of it is like, what percentage of the property is that is and is the rest of the property Timbered, forested, is it, um, is there any, obviously you've got your, you know, your little home place there, but what's the property? Yeah. So most
1: of it's, most of it's pasture. Um, most of it's six acre pasture that used to be ag and then, uh, was livestock at various points over the past hundred years, probably. Um, the whole property was fenced. I've cut holes in three sides, um, to allow easier, uh, wildlife transitions onto the property. Um, and then, we have a lot of a lot of great hardwoods. Um got a pear tree, got an apple tree back there. I planted two apple trees um this past spring, which I'm really excited about. Um, although I'm not gonna see any fruit there for, you know, two, three years, but it's an investment. But a lot of a lot of great oaks um back there as well. And then it's already it's been terraced where it's been um agriculture before. Um and so that's where we're gonna put the these, these food plots. Um, and the rest of it, uh, is going to be, uh, I want it to be like as, as native as, as possible, um, which doing reading on, on native browse and, you know, a lot of, sometimes I feel like a lot of food plotting, um, it's kind of like gardening or lawn maintenance and it's actually more pleasing to the eye of the human than it is, <laughs> you know, from looking at it from a deer's point of view. And so, you know, I may have some, I have a lot of like blackberry, like, thorn thickets back there you know which i hate right because they always snag me when i'm bush hogging back there right um but the deer love them right or like privet like i freaking hate privet right privet's the worst if you if anybody's done any type of land management or you got it at your house you can never eradicate that stuff i hate it but that
2: shit sucks it's the worst
1: man but the deer love it um yep. so kind of learning it really i guess it really started with you know plant identification and learning what these deer browse on and and native browse is really, really important. Um, So learning what to leave alone and kind of what to mess with um, has been good. So you and I will be putting in, I think five little mini plots, nothing crazy. They're probably 80 yards long, 20 yards wide, nothing wild. Um, I did a, did a soil test, got the pH and got everything back. pH, pH was low. pH was low. It's Georgia. We got clay. We're acidic um, we're sitting at like a 5.5. So what I've been doing is I've been putting out several hundred pounds of lime. Um, and I know that takes a long time to get going, but this is our starting point. So
0: Perry, why don't you kind of break down what the soil composition and what you're kind of looking for with the balance, uh, with, you know, your pH and then what lime does and why lime is usually going to be beneficial to most soils.
2: Yeah, I would say most soils, in this region. And that's kind of a a rule of thumb. The reality is down where Carter is, is not that dissimilar to, um, even like where I am and, um, where the family farm is typically a lot of, a lot of the, uh, of those soil types, those, those clays, and even some of your, your sandy loams are going to be on the acidic side of things. And listen, I'm no soil scientist. I'm no geologist. Um, There's a whole, I mean, there's a legit, a whole science there of, of doing a a, a breakdown, a detailed analysis of soil types um, that I'm not going to even attempt to get into. But the big picture in terms of just, you know, your average hunter food plotter is that most, most of that, and I love what you said, Carter, that the, with an emphasis on the native vegetation and a lot of that native vegetation, um, the ideal, native vegetation that you want to select for is going to prefer a slightly more neutral soil. A lot of your weeds and your invasives that um, do well in poor conditions can handle those acidic soils. And it's one of those deals. Can you, can you grow things on on acidic soils? Absolutely. Um, But, but again, a lot of the target species that we're after are going to prefer something a little closer to that seven, that neutral pH. So um, what the lime is, as the lime is a base, there's there's different uh, there's different types you could get, um, the pelletized, um, more of a, a fast acting uh, concentrate. It's a lot more expensive. You know, a lot of your big agricultural operations they're you know they buy lime in, in bulk. And if you're gonna buy it in bulk, it's actually pretty affordable. Luke and Evan and I've talked about that at our at our family farm. Like our pastures have been neglected for years. I don't think there's been any lime spread out there. Um, at least that I remember probably in a decade or if not two decades. So, and we have those, you know, similar soils that are going to be on the aesthetic side of things. So, but the, the bulk lime, the cheap lime, it is a little bit uh, slow to actually infiltrate into the soil. It usually takes um, a few months to kind of work its way down in there. A lot of the times if you spread it and then you, you know, a big storm rain event comes up, It'll wash a lot of that off the surface so you don't get the full yield of that lime. So what a lot of guys, you know, a lot of old time farmers have learned through the decades that they can do is actually spread it in the wintertime, like right before a uh, a snow. That's ideal because then that snow comes and sits on it, kind of pushes it all in, holds it all there. And as that snow melts and, you know, you get more through the winter and you kind of get that freeze thaw, it helps that lime actually work its way down into the soil and become more effective and you don't lose as much to runoff. so um there's different ways to do it we've we've spread it by hand on some of our little plots um which is fine on a, on a small micro scale um but yeah that's that's kind of a, a quick breakdown there
1: yeah so i'm I'm spreading by hand and i think <clears throat> my county extension office re- recommended like 1500 pounds of lime for me which you know i've never done this before so that sounded like a staggering amount uh for me but
0: to get that um pH balance where it needs to go. I think you can rent a pull-behind spreader for the tractor at, at a relatively affordable rate. Let me save you a little heartache.
2: You can also, there are commercial lime spreaders. I mean, it, it all depends on what kind of access you have and whether they can get a a truck in there. You know, and these are these are big trucks that are spreading this stuff. And for the amount of area that you're talking about, that, you know, that might not be worth it. That might be overkill. And the reality is a lot of those application rates I mean, I'm not surprised. It's 1500 per acre. I'm assuming that was the, that was the amount. It's, it sounds like a lot and it is, but you can, it's one of those deals like, yeah, that might be ideal. And that might be what the standard charts tell you to do. But um, any little bit that you can, that you can adjust that you're going to see a benefit from, it may not be you may not get the full maximization of it but uh it, it's going to help and then you, you can also do other things you can do it every couple years and then the advantage or one at least one of the advantages of, of this no-till method is as you start to leave that soil alone and you don't completely go in there and disrupt it every single year with that heavy tillage um, you start to build the organics um over time. And it really doesn't take that much time. to you really start building that top layer of your soil? As you build those organics, you build, you build that soil, you increase the, um, the presence and the habitat for, for all sorts of, uh, you know, uh, fungi. Um, uh, I'm blanking on the, on the. Yeah,
1: uh, down to like micro and microorganisms and microbials, right? You're like building yeah, mic- the health of the soil. Right? Yeah. Microbials. Thank you. That's what I was yeah. looking
2: for. Yep. You're building the health and all those things, Actually, they it's a it's a you know synergistic system where they they feed each other. They provide nutrients. Some of them harvest nutrients out of the soil, convert that to to uh, compounds and and um, c- you know chemicals, nutrients that that some of the others will use. They feed the plants off of that. And so as you start to build that soil profile from the top down, yeah, your pH may not be a, you know one hundred percent ideal according to the charts, but you have all these other benefits where it's providing. Those species that you're, you know, uh, that you have a preference for a, a better, you know, internal landscape within that soil structure to where pH is not, you know, the be all end all that it, right. it might be in a really, you know, a really starved nutrient starved soil. And now
1: it'll be more healthy and more synergistic, right? Exactly. So I guess like my understanding based on my limited reading is like soil is built. From the top down in layers, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't I could be talking on my ass, right? I'll do it because Luke's not doing it. So like as soon as you break ground and like mix layers, right? You disturb how Fuck you, Carter. (laughs) So waiting for that. So as soon as you break ground and start mixing those layers, you're like disturbing how Mother Nature does things, right? So like Mother Nature's obviously been successful at doing this for like millions of years, creating and growing conditions for plants. So as soon as you break the ground and disturb that cycle. The the top, like, living layer of soil is now mixed in and can't provide the same benefits, right, as, as it could have. And then I guess the second part of this aspect is, like, when you seed, when you put the seed into the actual food plots, you seed into existing vegetation, which is, like, farming 101, that's, like, a big no-no, right? You want good seed-to-soil contact. So this is kind of counterintuitive, at least to the traditional way of thinking, right? Does that sound...
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, for sure. And and that seed to soil contact thing. I mean, that's, that's one of those phrases, those refrains that you just hear over and over again. And, and look, it's, it's a real thing. Like if you're, if your seeds are, um, they, they have to have a medium for that germination to occur. Right. But that medium doesn't necessarily have to be 100% surrounded by mineral soil. I'll give you a great example. Uh, something that I just, you know, kind of had one of these light bulb moments is we've always, you know, done composting. We have a, you know, we've always had a garden. Um, we compost all of our vegetable scraps, all our table scraps that that can break down um, fruit, you know, et cetera, the whole nine coffee grounds. There's a, there's a million things that we use every day that, that can be composted. So that's something that we've just always done. It's easy. I've never been one to like worry about, you know, trying to buy it. There's all sorts of expensive composting systems that you can buy, you can just dedicate a little corner of your yard out of the way, build a little exclusion fence or box or whatever to keep the the critters and varmints out of it, throw your stuff in there and let it do its thing. It'll decompose over time. And one year, um, towards the end of the summer we'd been throwing, you know, sometimes tomatoes go rotten on the vine or you, you know, you scoop out the seeds for whatever you toss all that in there. And I went in there one day and I had like literally hundreds of those little tomato seeds that had germinated just in that top couple inches of the compost. And that wasn't mineral soil. That was just, you know, organic compost. So the point being, if you are taking that approach, you're doing that top down, um, you know, soil, soil building kind of method, you can still provide that medium that those seeds need to germinate.
1: Exactly. That makes total sense. Like compost, that makes total sense. We've got a couple compost bins out here. That I made out of pallets for for the garden, just like you're talking about for grass clippings and your green and your and your browns, right? So like building that nitrogen uh, and and carbon into your into your compost. So I guess by seeding into that existing vegetation and then you know killing it, like running it over, right? Cultipacking it or whatever, laying it down on top of your seed, you're building that topsoil with that decaying material, just like in a compost heap. Uh, and you're releasing that that moisture from those dying plants to then use those that nutrients and that moisture um, to germinate those seeds and then hopefully take off into fantastic deer killing food plots, right?
2: Oh yeah, that's that's the that's the entire goal. And and you know, Luke, as when I was up there this past weekend, I was looking at a couple of our plots that we have up there, and I think that's one of the things that we didn't do a good enough job of initially was was getting um getting that existing vegetation. Like I know that one you sprayed, but I think what we need to do a better job of is, is what you were alluding to there, Carter. There's a, there's kind of a, a timing there and that's what I'm interested to see this weekend when we can like, or not this weekend, but when I come down in September, we can actually dedicate a few solid days, you know, and you're going to have obviously, you know, done some prep on the front end and and get the timing, you know, hopefully worked out, hopefully the weather cooperates, but really making em- an emphasis that once you get that seed spread and you get that, um, you know, that existing vegetation killed, whether you're doing it with, with, a an herbicide or just mowing it, or just, you know, cultipacking it, roll roller crimp, or whatever method you're doing, making sure that you have all that really kind of nice and compact on that existing seed bed. And I think that's, what's going to provide the, the best, the best germination success. I think that's something we didn't put enough of an emphasis on when we've done this and, um, I was, as I was riding around up at our place this weekend, I was thinking about the different methods that we can use to, to do a better job of that in the future with, with our limited equipment as well. Cause generally, I mean, we're just talking about again, a little tractor and, and ATVs. So, but there's, there's all sorts of implements out there, man. And you can find stuff used. You don't have to go spend a fortune on stuff.
1: Yeah. You can make a culture packer, you know, like easy. Oh yeah. Fill, Fill a 55 gallon drum with water. Yep. A few yeah.
2: simple welds with some with some stuff you have laying around, Absolutely. you can you can make a lot of those implements.
1: It'll be a big experiment, and it could be a disaster, but uh, <laughs> I'm optimistic, and I'm I'm real curious about it, especially if it means better soil health for you know my piece of property. So why not give it a try?
2: Have you ever done a fall plot, or have you s- traditionally done spring plantings, or?
1: Yeah, I I had pretty good success doing a fall plot here when I first moved in, Um, but that involved tilling and then getting rid of all the existing grass and weed material that was on these plots, and then just straight seed to contact, or seed to dirt contact on each of these plots, and um, that was with no fertilizer, no lime, I was just going to go and see, I just moved in, I was like, let's see what happens, and then planted a different type of seed from various different companies, um, be it, you know, domain or whitetail Institute or plot spike or places like that um, to kind of see which one really took off for the soil health that we have. um, And then kind of recorded all those to see what to move forward with. Which one,
2: which one did the best?
1: um, They all did really well. My, the whitetail Institute had a, has a blend called tall tine tubers which is like uh turnips and radishes and things like that and that did unbelievable and i had some really really healthy uh late season radishes i mean my dad was even coming up and picking turnips out of out of the food plot to eat for christmas turnips like the size of my head it was unbelievable um so that was really good and then um the Dorena white clover is just unbelievable that's a I'm sure it's a big thing everywhere, but I think that strain came out of UGA. So it's a big thing in Georgia. Um, And so I kind of have an existing clover plot down there already that we're going to amend and and beef up with a little bit. But I think the the idea this time is to add a little bit more variety of seeds. And so I think I've got a seed blend picked out that we're going to put down all that have different roles, like some that are like Australian peas makes perfect sense to put in a food plot because that's what I put over my... Uh, in my garden in the fall because it dumps nitrogen back in the soil it's a great cover crop and turns out deer love it I don't know why I didn't put that together earlier um and so kind of deciding what role these cereal grains and and clover and radishes and things like that are playing um large scale with the deer thinking from October to not just January but into next spring as well right
2: yeah man that's awesome. I'm 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 really looking forward to this. This is going to be a, a a fun little way for me to actually get my hands dirty a little bit and play with some of the stuff without actually you know being able to do it on on my own piece of property or on our family farm. Dude, I would I would love to to uh come back in the spring and and keep keep going with this and just see where see where it takes you because that's you know I could nerd out on that kind of stuff all day.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and if it turns out to be halfway decent, we could turn it into a little video series and kind of keep up with it through for sure. The Hunt Lifty uh, platform, which would be really cool, um, and then you know, planning things like buckwheat in the spring, and you know, thinking full year round. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about it.
2: Yeah, and of course I'm gonna you know I'm gonna have to bring my chainsaws down with me. I don't know what uh what your what your situation is with the timber you got there, but I'm a I'm a forestry guy at heart. So I'm gonna to have to walk walk the woods, maybe bring the chainsaw, see if we can't do any little micro scale TSI. Sounds like I've if got, you got if if you got some oaks and some soft mass, sounds like you got a good good start on that.
1: I've got a stand of pines that needs to be thinned out, and I thought it'd be perfect for you to kind of tell me where to start and how to really do that. Um, they're all young, but they're all on top of each other. So yeah, I got I got plenty for. <laughs> I just need help,
0: man. I just need help. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. Good area that could use some burning, Perry, if you're trying to set his house on fire.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not gonna strike a match on, on his property. Dude, I'm, a, I'm a fire bug. Everyone knows that, but no, nah, yeah, I'm for good. For those
0: that don't know, Perry and I have done a little burning. Perry's tried to do a little burning on his own, and uh, usually it ends up in uh, some puckered buttholes and a lot of running around trying to put out fires. <laughs> <laughs> Quite
2: literally, putting out fires, yeah. It's one of those things, as as you get older, you realize, like, man, and it, hell, we've talked about it. Fire's a great tool. I've 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 used it in the past. I've seen it used successfully by people that know what they're doing. You need to have multiple people out there. It's not a one or two man show. And I'm certainly not going to uh, attempt it on on Carter's piece of property. But I, I'm definitely.
0: I was going to say I'll, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, there's several spots at the at Peach Bottom we've been wanting to burn. When we got the HLE team out there and we got a bunch of bodies, that might be the uh, the time to do it. We got everybody on on call on deck. Sitting there with shovels, rakes, and ready to and uh, tampon. What are those fucking things that look like? The, yeah, just the the fire swatters. Yeah, the, whatever the fire sweaters are. That, that I might don't be know. The time to do. It. Is, we do is Caleb burn. gonna be
1: there? Is Caleb gonna
0: be there? One hundred percent. Caleb doesn't miss anything. That's a, some bitch doesn't work either. So yeah, <laughs> that seems like a
1: a bit of a risk there. That that might have to be managed.
2: Yeah, we can we can manage that. He does, he's not the one that gets to strike the match. But Caleb
0: won't have a drip torch, that's for damn sure. No,
2: we can put a rake in his hand and tell him to go to work. No, I mean, yeah, that that you're not wrong, Luke. It'd be a good good opportunity there. Plenty of bodies. That's what you. That's what you need to do a safe burn. So now we just gotta get the owners to sign off. Oh, we forgiveness, not permission, bud. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, it's good stuff, man. I'm I'm looking forward to coming down and seeing your place. Luke's been telling me about it. I know you got a, a cool setup there and. Yeah, I don't know I don't know what uh what all insights I can provide, but I'll I'll do my best and if nothing else it'll be an excuse to go go mess around and have a good time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm really fortunate. I'm surrounded by woods on all sides. There's forty two acre property on my left and fifty two acre property on my right and eighty two acres behind me, and it's all very, very thick, dense woods. And so I'm kinda unique that I have this little what I want to turn into a wildlife little oasis back here with the pond and and then year round desirable food Um, because everybody else hunts around me too. So I got to outcompete those guys. I don't have as much legroom as they do, but got to work with what I got.
2: No, that's exactly it. You, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. If you have something that is missing from all the surrounding area around you, it's going to be an absolute draw for all of it. Not just the deer, but the turkeys, um, the whole nine, everything that, that goes along with them all the way through the food chain. And that's that's what you want. That's how you you know you really build that, that little wildlife mecca. So that's cool.
0: Well, that's what we've been talking about at, at our place is starting to do is because most of the properties that join us for the most part are fairly large uh, size tracks. So if we could start really increasing the, we've already got the bedding. We already have some food, but it's the same food that everybody has. It's just ag fields, just great cattle grazing fields. And so we start putting like true food plots. We're going to be able to draw in a lot more critters and we've already seen it with the mineral. Like, like I think we're pulling in bears for sure. Um, There's maybe not, maybe there's been this many bears. We just have more cameras out, but it definitely seems like there's an increase in bears. We're seeing a lot of bucks. Like, If you know that your neighbors aren't doing certain things, if you try to fill in those gaps, it'll definitely pull pull those critters to your property.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And with this too, I I really like it because it's, it's small scale like doable like i can go out there and spread 200 pounds of lime by hand and it's no big deal and then the next day do 200 more or whatever i do 500 a weekend or something like it's it's scalable um so i guess it, it, it would get a little more challenging the larger
0: you get but you know like you said many hands make light work with our little micro plots man we just have like um I've uh, I left it out of the cabinet, but it's basically like a really heavy duty version of the lawn spreaders that you use for spreading grass seed or fertilizer on a, on the lawn. It's just like a bigger, beefier version uh, that I got from my father-in-law. And that thing works great. I mean, we'll do half acre, acre, pretty, pretty easy. Um, so you could definitely, if you want like it's better than just like throwing it by hand or using a hand crank spreader. Uh, you're just walking the line with it. So that that's also an option for you. But I really think I would look into uh, renting just a pull-behind for your tractor.
1: I just want to see Perry spread 400 pounds of seed while I'm drinking a beer on the tractor. <laughs> <laughs> that's what yeah. this is all about, is really just to put Perry's bitch ass to work. Yeah,
2: I got you. Now it's all starting to make sense.
1: But yeah, I'm excited, man. It'll be good. I'm excited to report back.
2: So... Let me ask you, you said you, uh, you have a couple of permission pieces. Are those pieces that are close to to this farm or are they a ways out? What's, and something I've been thinking I need to get more of is, is local permission pieces. So is that something where you just like went around, you know, banging on doors or were these existing contacts or, you know, um, that you already had, or how, how'd you get the talk us through that process?
1: I I was pretty fortunate, um, how I met the permissions I have and and then maintaining them has been the really important part, maintaining those relationships. So so the relationship started in college. um, Shoot. Was that six years ago? Dang. It was a long time. Even before that, you know, younger in college um, and then maintaining those relationships, working relationships after that. But one of them is a cattle farmer who was actually our landlord. um, And I was just friendly with him and helped him work cows and move cows and always offered to when he was out there in the field always offering to help do whatever you know fix fences or you know stretch wire anything and everything helped him even butcher a cow once and that would never want to do that again that was like one of the most physically <laughs> demanding things <laughs> i've ever done that you guys have probably done that before but that was insane um so just lucked out with that one through work which i think is probably a familiar story with a lot of folks um and and maintaining that relationship, sharing venison after every kill and calling, checking in after I've left college and making sure I don't just call right before hunting season. Um, Always asking if he ever needs any work or anything like that. But you and I can pop up there and go check on those permissions because I have them pretty exclusively Um, and show you those other aspects as well. You know, the property I've talked about with the uh, turkey hunting and things like that. And you know, maybe you seeing it from a different point of view, different set of eyes, maybe you can give me different perspective on what to do up there, you know,
2: yeah, for sure I mean that's one of my favorite things to do is go look at new dirt, so I'll be down for sure
0: well shit boys sounds like uh you guys have a lot planned, and I'm definitely intrigued and interested and ready to get the results um I know you guys are planning on doing a podcast or two when you're when you're uh, down in Georgia Perry and Hopefully, get some video content and we can start filling out this YouTube channel a little bit. Uh, that is in the works. Kind of like the recipe page one day. Actually,
1: I have good news about the recipes. Do you want me to share it? Do it, bud. First five recipes are going to be uh, photographed next weekend.
0: Oh, my man. So, yeah. hell yeah. For yeah. those that don't know, uh, I've turned over the hle blog slash recipe page over to carter and so he's going to kind of run that and be the head because i'm just kind of stretched thin as the uh the old philosopher bilbo baggins once said i'm like too little butter spread over too much
2: bread Uh, (laughs) dude
0: awesome awesome reference
2: reference. that that came out of nowhere
1: (laughs) what a a learned man that's education right there
0: the old Uh, bilbo baggins (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so uh Carter's going to take that off my plate, uh, which is awesome. And hopefully we actually start getting some content because that just keeps moving to the bottom of my priority list with everything else going on. And uh, it's ridiculous because I have probably four recipes, like pictures, everything ready to go. I just haven't got around to building it out yet. So he'll get that going and I'll send him my stuff and, and hopefully we really start fleshing out the recipe page because I know that's something a lot of folks like. Uh, it'll be a one-stop shop. It'll all be free. Uh, you just go in there, find some recipes. Uh, probably a lot of rosemary uh, references per each one, but yeah, only rosemary <laughs> <It's the> only <laughs> yeah. spice you need. No salt, just rosemary. So all, all you need, baby. <laughs> well, cool. So you you have five coming up. You want to give a little sneak peek uh, on one of them, or two of them, or a couple of them?
1: Um. Yeah. So I guess how I think I wanted to break it down was go by very very recipes by difficulty um because that's something that could be daunting and everybody has different cooking skills so or maybe you're crunched for time right so that's going to be factored in some of these recipes so like you know thrown together like got a really phenomenal burger recipe nice easy you got folks coming coming over you're gonna grill burger recipe a little a little dressed up not just like you're not any old burger recipe but dressed up venison burger recipe, um, all the way to like, you know, we're going to be making one of the recipes is going to be like a, a grit bowl. So we're going to go different, um, not just lunch, dinner, but breakfast, lunch, dinner, different, different types of day, different meals to vary it for people's needs. So like my dad makes a kick-ass grit bowl with, with, uh, ground venison, which, you know, Southern staple down here eating grits for breakfast. Um, but dressed up in a way Um, Where it can be something you serve to people, or if you're just making it for yourself and your buddies or yourself and the wife on a Saturday morning, that's cool too. So, variable, um, different difficulties, and then we're not just pigeonholed into, you know, uh, dinners. So,
2: sounds like a classic, classic uh, Southern comfort food right there venison grit bowl, man.
1: It is. It'll be a good starting point. Yeah, yeah. We do do a really good job. I recruited some help, so
2: nice. So
1: someone who awesome. can work a uh, a camera better than I can will
0: be doing that. Fuck yeah, dude! I'm I'm stoked. I'm really excited to start seeing uh, seeing this kind of flush itself out. Um,
1: yeah, me too. It's a, it's my favorite part of hunting, right? It's being able to eat it and share it with folks too. So I'm excited to get this up on the website.
0: Yeah, actually. I'm just looking at my my phone here and just had a fellow reach out wanting the video and take a lot of pictures for content for us. So we're really starting to flesh out that side of things. Um, It'll be nice. I think as we do like events going forward, I'm going to actually bring in some photographers and content will still be authentic. It's just going to be somebody in the background taking pictures. So I'm not trying to run around on my iPhone and do all this shit, which is really annoying because it the tracks from what I'm trying to do as well, so um, it's gonna be cool. Like we'll definitely have a photographer out for the uh, the HLE team trip in December, and then maybe October deer camp for for us. And and uh, one of my buddies, John. Uh, actually, he has another John from the team. He might be coming to Wyoming and take some pictures at least for a few days and, and tag along with a couple of guys. So it's gonna be cool. Uh, we're, we're really working on the content side of the house, trying to kind of up the top content game a little bit more, up the professionalism, and provide better shit for for folks out there
2: yeah absolutely i'm excited for that and carter on that note you should definitely book it now try to close out your season make a trip up to southwest virginia if you can for that late that late season uh hle team trip um up at the family farm bring your your bow your muzzleloader whichever one and and come up and, and hunt it will be a way we can return the favor for you letting me let me come down and hang out at your place for a little while and you can come see, see our setup.
1: Yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm I'm excited to spend time at the infamous cabin with you guys.
2: Yeah, for sure. That's going to be a good trip. hope it all, hope it all works out and dudes can come in It'll be a fun time. Good way to close out the
0: season.
1: A hundred percent. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I'm stoked. That's going to be a, a hell of a time. Um, yeah, I mean, we're coming up over an hour now, so I think this is a great time to wrap this one up. Uh, stoked for for everything to come all the the hunts we got coming up in the fall camp where i'll be a part of and uh i'm a, really interested to see kind of the fruits of the labor that you guys are going to put in to continue to build out kind of carter's prep and then i think perry that's going to even apply to you as you learn some lessons down there and see what he's doing you can take some of that back up to the farm uh, up to our place so it's it's going to be a hell of a time but uh, carter why don't you go ahead and uh, let him know your instagram Uh, sure. Yeah. If you
1: guys want to follow me on Instagram, uh, my Instagram is at the homestead underscore GA. Um, follow me on here. We're switching gears from gardening to summer scouting for whitetail and prepping for this season. So come check it out.
2: Where can they find you Perry? Yeah, you can find me on the Instagram at perry.r.isner. Um, you won't see a ton of posts as everyone knows that's listening. I'm not not the biggest on the old social medias, but I am looking forward to putting some stuff out there from from the trip down to Georgia um, on Carter's Place. And then we're going to have, have plenty of stuff coming up here during hunting season. So definitely give me a follow. Stay tuned. Stuff's coming.
0: Yeah, if you guys want to follow my personal page, hit me up at luke.d.cox. Uh, not as active on there as I used to be, really putting a lot of focus into the uh, the team page, or the, excuse me, the uh, the brand page, which is at Hunt, Lift, Eat, Official. Um, Hit hit us up on the website as well. Check out all the merchandise that we've got. New line has been flying off the shelves. We're starting to run out of stock of a lot of it, but uh, that's at huntlifteat.com. And then we've also got our training programs. Uh, Definitely go check those out. We've got a free one. It's a four-week on-ramp program called iDune. It's our our Couch to Mountain program. And uh, Carter, you're doing it right now, aren't you? Yeah, I've actually, I'm I'm running it back
1: for, (laughs) I'm on my second and a half time right now. Um, It's worked out really well for, for my timing, um, and just kind of beefed it up a little bit each time. It's, it's very scalable. Uh, and I love it. I actually, today I coach cross country for my high school and today was our first day of practice and feeling really, really good, really strong, really fit, uh, because of that program this summer and staying consistent with it. So highly recommend it free download. Why would
0: you not do it? Yeah. I appreciate that feedback, dude. And then like you know, when you're getting to the point where Carter is running through it a couple of times, it's the perfect time for you to go ahead and look at one of our other programs as well. We've got Tier and Magni. So, Tier is our uh, mountain prep program. And it's basically just picking up right where I do the Couch to Mountain program, leaves off. So, you snag that, and it's going to take you uh, one, if you're kind of more advanced in your fitness, anyways, you can start with Tier you're kind of getting back into it start with the on-ramp and then roll in but it's uh it's built to be able to do in a garage uh gym with very little equipment so you sandbag kettlebell some dumbbells and a ruck that's really all you need maybe a wet uh, weight vest and potentially a a pull-up bar Uh, but you can scale some of those workouts and and shift things up and then our uh, magni program was developed um all of our programs are developed by peter sunderland but he that's his program that he utilizes uh more or less some tweaks, but to train for his marathon and powerlifting at the same time. So it's the strength and endurance program. I'm actually in that one right now. And I love it. It's one of my favorite programs that I've ever done. And I've done a lot of programs and it's probably going to be one that I rinse and repeat and do a lot of different variations for, for the rest of my life. Cause it is a phenomenal program. Uh, but yeah, so go check those out. Uh, give us your feedback. Let us know if you are enjoying this podcast, please, please go leave us a rating and review. Uh, that really means a lot. It helps us out. Um, as you guys know, we've migrated over to Waypoint, so we're part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective now. That's why you guys are getting some some ads that are kind of probably not what you're ex- used to from us. We don't really have a lot of control over that, uh, but we, we appreciate the hell out of everything. So if you'd like the podcast, drop us the radio interview. And, and as always, we appreciate the hell out of you guys. Thank you so much.